Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Hey, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? You know, I was reading this morning um, as I was getting ready to come to church, I was reading in the scriptures. And I came across a verse, uh, the verse that was talking about how Jesus goes before us to, um, uh, to, to, to build mansions for us, you know. He, he goes before us to build a place and to build mansions for us. And the scripture says that Jesus will build bigger mansions for those who don't go on vacation on Memorial Day and come to church. That's what it said. I'm just just giving you the news, the good news. But hey, I'm so glad that you are here. You know, you get more brownie points in heaven when you get there and stuff. So I'm glad you're here. And uh, hey, if you guys are, those of you that are on vacation, you better be tuning in because I'll be checking in. I know you're, you better be tuning in on, your, on the beach and whatever you're doing out there. You better be tuning in. I'll be checking in. Uh, we're so glad that you guys are here with us again. My name is Johnny. I'm the lead pastor. Super thankful to be with each and every one of you here. And uh, if you, as you walked in, you were handed a worship guide. Uh, that worship guide just tells you a little bit about who we are, what we're all about here at Restoration. It also gives you a connection card. And, and honestly, that connection card, we just want to connect with you. Like We want to make sure that we're praying for you. If there's a prayer request, if there's anything you need, uh, just whatever need you may have, like we just want to make sure that you are taken care of. So please, please let us know. Take that connection card and drop it off at the Dropbox uh, as you guys exit. Um, you know, like, like Christina, my wife, was saying in the news that there's just a lot of cool things going on at Restoration. Uh, I'm super excited about Serve Day. Uh, Serve Day is an annual day where Restoration uh, goes and serves our community, uh, both in Peoria and Metro Phoenix. And uh, we're a part of an organization or a church planting network called ARC. And once a year, all of these ARC churches, there are about a thousand ARC churches on the same day, uh, go out and serve our community in just very practical and tangible ways. Um, and so this year is going to be July 10th. And so Restoration is taking part in that. So there's going to be literally thousands of people uh, on July 10th across the country simply spreading the love of Christ in very practical ways. I know for sure two things are happening. We have four projects. Two of them already solidified. Uh, the first is we're going to be helping build a house for a family in need through Habitat for Humanity. No experience necessary. If you could swing a hammer, like just come and join, sign up for that project. That's going to be super cool. And we also have Ministry of the Homeless in downtown Phoenix. That's our second project. So again, save the date, more details to come, but I'm super excited about that. Also, uh, we have uh, VBS coming up here too. So if you have a little one and you want to put them in VBS, um, there's all the info that you need on our website. We have partnered with another church here uh, that I used to work at, at New Life Community Church. We're partnering with them uh, to uh, really put on this VBS, um, and so it's going to be a really, really great time uh, for your children. So uh, with that, like I said, I'm super excited, but with that, let's go ahead and, and dig into the Word. Um, we are in Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, verse 53 through 56 today. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 53 through 56. We're about a third of the way through Mark, everybody. I mean, it's taken us about a year to get a third of the way through Mark. And so we're going to get there. We're going to get there by the time your kids are 18. I promise you, I promise you, we're going to get there. But today I titled the message, 
uh, the urgency of Christ, the urgency of Christ. Um, just a few um, uh, weeks ago, we talked about uh, Jesus walking on water. And so Jesus with, was his, with his disciples, um, and, he, and he really displayed who he was by walking on water. His disciples were actually on the way to a city or a town uh, called Bethsaida, uh, but because of the wind, it really took them a different, to a different place. And so today we're going to be looking at what happens when, after Jesus walks on water. Now, I got to tell you, when we read this passage today, it's not going to be the most exciting passage, I'll tell you that. Like, like if someone had invited me to go preach at a church or wherever, I wouldn't be preaching on this passage. I'll just tell you that right now. There's a lot of better passages to preach out of. Like, for example, like Jesus walking on water is a way better passage to preach out of. Or, you know, when Jesus, uh, you know, delivers that man from all of those demons and he throws them into the pig, I mean, into the pigs and they jump over the cliff and drown. Like that, that's a passage right there to preach. Now, this passage is nothing like that. Like this is actually a transition passage or a summary passage. So up to this point, Jesus has been ministering in this region called Galilee. And most of the people in Galilee are Jewish people for the most part. And so what we're going to see is this transition passage. Jesus is going to start to minister to Gentile people or non-Jewish people in the areas of Phoenicia or the Decapolis. And just there's kind of like 10 cities in this area. So he's going to start shifting his ministry from Jewish people to mainly Gentile people. And then he's going to start heading towards the cross. And so this is a transition passage, it's a summary passage, but here's the deal. Here at Restoration, we believe that all of Scripture is inspired and that all of Scripture is important. And we are going to give the same importance and time to even passages like this, even summary passages like this that on the outside don't seem super exciting. We're going to give them the same reverence and respect and attention as we would any other passage that's exciting or that might seem more exciting. And I really believe that today's passage is important for believers today. As we dig into it, you're going to realize, man, this is not a summary passage. This is God speaking to my heart passage. And we're going to see that today. So let's go ahead and read the passage. It's only four verses. Let's read it. It says this. Verse 53, when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore or anchored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And whenever he came, uh, whenever he came, wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, like I mentioned today, your word is infallible. Your word is authoritative. Your word is our guide, our uh, north star. Your word is the way that you have chosen to speak directly to us. 
And although this might seem like just a simple transitional passage, as, as the author Mark was trying to make a point and use this passage as a summary passage or transition passage, I pray, God, that you would use it not as a summary, but as a catalyst to our lives, as a catalyst for uh, the way that you're going to use us for the way that you are speaking to us. God, may you just uh, really speak to us through the power of your spirit today through this passage. May we remove any distractions that we have today. May we come today to church burdened, broken, distracted, anxious, nervous, fearful, without hope, whatever it may be. God, I pray that you would speak to us powerfully today. May we just lean in for the next few minutes to what you have to say. Speak to us through the power of your spirit, God. May we open our hearts and our ears to what you have to say to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, church, for the past, I would say, six to six and a half years, um, my life has been super, super crazy. Uh, really, really busy, just on the go. Like, I've been on the go for, for a long, long time. Um, uh, I was in seminary for, for a while, about four and a half years. It took me, to, it took me four and a half years to, to finish seminary. Uh, and it's not because I was slow, okay? It's because it was a long, long program. It was like almost 100 out credit, credit hours for a master's. It was crazy. Um, and normally, master's are about two years, but, but it was crazy. It was an intense, intense program, and I was always on the go. Like, if I was at, I was at work, I was studying, like, always, always, always on the go. Uh, and then towards the end of me finishing seminary, I had this wonderful idea to plant a church. So I was going to seminary full-time, I was planting restoration full-time, and then I was working full-time at New Life Community Church, and so my life was crazy. Like, I was just on the go, like, all the time. Plus, like, I was, uh, you know, I'm married, so I got to give special attention to my spouse. Uh, so it was just a lot, a lot of things that I had to do. I was always, always on the go. And uh, my life got a lot, uh, I would say, simpler. It got a lot simpler uh, since I don't have school anymore and things like that. But it got a lot simpler, but I'm still pretty busy, maybe not as busy as I used to be writing papers and reading textbooks and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've always just been, like, that person that's just always on the go. Like, I just can't stop. Like, I have a really difficult time sleeping. And how many of you guys are like me? Because I just need some comfort right now. Anyone like me? Okay, one, two, okay, three, maybe. Okay, I got, thank you. All right, you guys, so, at least some of you understand. Um, but I'm always just on the go, on the go. And well, it's good to be very active and just, you know, moving forward and whatever we're doing and, and being proactive. Sometimes it really works against me. Like having that sense of urgency and drive really uh, is not always a good thing. Let me give you one example out of many. Uh, so when my wife and I, we go to dinner, right? Uh, we, 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 we get our food and so we start eating and I begin to eat like I've never been fed before. And so like I just like kill my food. I just totally eat it way before she's done. And the very next thing that I do when I'm done is I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm done, and she could be, like, halfway done, and I'm just like, okay, what's next? Let's go. Let's go. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. A lot of the times, we don't have to do anything 
But in my mind, like, I'm always just on the go. Like, I'm like, hey, what's next? And so I remember my wife actually tells me quite a bit. She's like, so what do you have to do after this? I'm just like, I don't know, but we just got to go. We just, let's just go. We, we got to go do something. We got we to go. And uh, here's the thing. She caught on to me, so now she's testing me. Okay, so I'm done eating, and I'm just sitting there. And I'm not going to say anything. Like, I'm just trying not to say anything. And she is purposely eating slower. And I'm just like, God, help me. You know, just help me. But that's just how I live my life. Like, you know, and then at the end of the day, because I'm introverted, I go home and crash out. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. It's just, that's just kind of how I am. But I have this sense of urgency, this drive. And again, it's, uh, it's something that works against me sometimes. But I was really thinking about this uh, when I was looking at this passage. You know, am I really living with the sense of urgency as a disciple of Christ? Like, am I, do I have a sense of urgency as a disciple of Jesus? Am I living with the sense of urgency to fulfill the great commission of God, to go and make disciples? Like, I have urgency, I have drive, but here's the thing, am I placing it in the right places. This passage was just a reality check for me. Am I being driven towards the right things? Am I driven towards the ultimate things? Like some of the things I'm driven to are good things, but am I really being purposeful and passionate and have a sense of urgency for what God is urgent about? You see, a lot of the times, especially in Western church, and I myself included, I believe that we have a lack of urgency in our lives and in our churches. We have a lack of, of, of even uh, evangelistic urgency in our lives. A lot of times we do. Again, generally speaking, you see, maybe you're, you can relate to that. Maybe you're just kind of like me. You're like always on the go. And you do have a sense of urgency, but it may not be the urgency that God is calling us to have or to embrace. And you're busy, you're busy with good things, but maybe you're not busy with the most important things, the things that God asks us to do. I think a lot of the times here in the West, we lack suffering, and so it really uh, causes a lack of, of urgency as we try to reach people for Christ. And it's, it sounds a little weird, like, how, you don't know my situation. You don't know how I suffer. And you know what? I, we do suffer. Like, we do suffer. But when I think about our brothers and sisters in Christ in other countries who are literally being torn to pieces for their faith, who are literally being martyred for proclaiming the gospel. I'm like, man, are we really suffering? Is there true suffering in our lives? And again, I'm not trying to discredit the things that we go through, but when you put it into perspective, it helps us. A lot of times I think we lack a, a sense of urgency because we're comfortable. We have food on our table. We have roof on our, uh, on our home over our heads. We have a job. We, everyone's, for the most part, pretty healthy. We're comfortable. We like comfort. And hey, it's okay. We, we like comfort. But because we are comfortable, we lack that sense of urgency for what God has called us to do. But here's the thing. I think there's a one, one reason that's even, 
that contributes to our lack of urgency that's even greater than any of these three. And it's this, that I think that we have forgotten or maybe don't fully understand that there will come a point where Christ will come back for his people. And there will be some people who will spend all of eternity with Christ. And there will be some people who will spend all of eternity in hell. And we have forgotten about that. Or maybe we've never truly comprehended it or wrestled with it. And boy, this passage has really caused me to think about the people that I love so dearly. My family, my friends, people down my street, my next door neighbor. Do I have a sense of urgency for them? Is there a passion in me that drives to try to reach them? Because eternity matters. People's lives matter. Christ will come back one day. And we have the solution for eternal separation from Christ. That is, that is the gospel the message of the gospel, that there is a savior named Jesus Christ, that if you repent and place your faith in him, you will have eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, not eternal life in the future, but eternal life now. And we have that message. And so the message of the gospel is a message of urgency. And boy, was I challenged. Was I challenged? Do I carry enough? about my friends? Do I care enough about my family to try to reach them and do whatever it takes to reach them for Christ? And so today, here's my goal today, church. My goal today is to remind us of the urgent mission that Christ left us, the great commission. Second point, second goal is to really show us and to show you the urgency in today's passage. Like I said, on the outside, you're like, man, what, what does this passage have to do with urgency? You're going to see. You're going to see that this isn't just a summary passage or a transition passage. Man, this passage packs a punch and is so needed for our lives today. So my goal is to remind you of the mission and to show you the urgency that we need today from this passage. There are three things, if you're taking notes, that I just kind of want you to jot down. And the first is this. Notice Jesus' pace. Notice Jesus' pace in this passage. Let me read the passage again. It says this. When they crossed over, they came to the land, Gennesaret, and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him. Look at Jesus' pace. You're like, what are you talking about? I don't know about you, especially if you've been following along with us in the Gospel of Mark I don't know about you, but it's really hard to track Jesus, right? Like, have you noticed that? Like, it's very hard to track Jesus. Like, he's in one place and the other, then he crossed the Sea of Galilee, then they went to this town and that town, and you're just, okay, what? Like, where is he at? Like, where is Jesus at? He's always on the move. Jesus is on the go. And so he is just a man on the mission, He's a, he's a man on a serious and urgent mission. And so what I decided to do 
uh, was I decided to go back to Mark chapter 1 and track Jesus's movements through the first six chapters. And what we're going to see, because I'm going to read them to you, what we're going to see is Jesus in the first six chapters having this drive, this passion, this incredible zeal to go towards people, to minister to people, to love people, to heal people, to preach the message of the gospel. Let's start. In Mark chapter 1, this is, and I'm going to read them, and uh, this is what it says. Mark, that my whole goal is for you to see Jesus just going back and forth and back and forth ministering to people. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of the gospel. That's the very first thing Jesus did. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 19 passing alongside the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus was constantly moving uh, uh, in, by the Sea of Galilee, verse 19. And going a little further, he saw James and John, the brother of John, who were in the boat mending their nets. So Jesus hanging around the Sea of Galilee, trying to recruit people, minister to people. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Again, going to another town. Mark chapter 1, verse 29, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Mark chapter 1, 35 through 39, and rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So he's ministering, he's moving, but not only that, he's praying. He's out in the mountains praying with people. Verse 39 of Mark chapter 1, and he went out through all of Galilee, again, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Mark chapter 2, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, so now he's back in Capernaum. Mark chapter 2, verse 13, just a little bit later, he went out again besides the sea, and all the crowds were coming to him. Mark chapter 2, verse 23, on one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. So now you see Jesus by the sea in Capernaum, in towns and villages. Now he's in the countryside. He's in grain fields, just moving and moving and moving. Mark chapter 3, verse 1, and again, he entered the synagogue. He's back into the synagogue. Mark chapter 3. Verse 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, and he went up on the mountain with his disciples. Mark chapter 3, verse 20, he went home after that. Mark chapter 4, again, uh, he started teaching by the sea. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the sea. Mark chapter 5, verse 20, and he went away and began to proclaim the gospel in the Decapolis. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, Mark chapter 6, verse 1, he went away from there and came to his hometown. Mark chapter 6, verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went among the villages, plural, teaching. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place to pray by themselves. Mark chapter 6, 45 through 46, we see Jesus on the mountain praying. Did you get his urgency there? He's on the go. 
He has a fast pace. He's in the cities. He's in the towns. He's in the countrysides. He's in the grain fields. He's in the mountaintops. He's in the valleys. He's with rich people. He's with poor people. He's with all people. He's with sick people. He's with Jewish people. He's with Gentile people. Man, what a pace. What a pace did Jesus have for those who were far from him. And guess what? He did all of this by walking and by boat. Think about that. He didn't have car. He didn't have a car. He didn't have an Uber. He didn't have any, uh, he didn't have a plane. I mean, if Jesus had a plane, I was just thinking about it. Man, he would have had a lot of like frequent flyer miles. Like if, he, if Jesus was on a plane, a lot of free flights. Man, that urgency. I hope you get that. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with people. And so Jesus can tell us to go and make disciples because he first went to make disciples. When he says go and make disciples of all nations, he's telling us to do something that he already set the example for. Man, his pace his urgency to reach people. Let me ask you a question. How's your urgency? How's your urgency when it comes to those who don't know Jesus? How's your urgency when it comes to your friends, your family members, your coworkers? Is there a sense of urgency? And I'm not asking you to travel and be a missionary. I'm saying it's a heart issue. Is there an urgency, a drive, a determination that you are willing to do whatever it takes to reach them? How is your pace? Is there an urgency? Does your urgency, your sense of urgency resemble Jesus' urgency for the lost? for the broken, for the hurting, for the unfulfilled, for those who will spend all of eternity apart from Christ. What's your urgency like? My hope and my prayer is that your urgency would be like Christ, that you would have this urgency, a desire, a drive to be used by God in such a way that you would make an eternal difference in the lives of those around you. Because it's, if you just look around, our world is broken, isn't it? Our families are broken, friends are broken, and boy, does our world need hope. May this passage just challenge you to have this sense of urgency to reach the lost. And not only does Jesus' pace stand out here in this passage, but look at the people's persistence. That's my second point here. Look at the people's persistence here in verse 55. It says this, as Jesus was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, it says this, as they recognized him and they ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. So 
Not only is Jesus' pace fast and urgent, but look at the people's persistence. Look, look what Mark says here in verse 55. It says that they ran, that they ran throughout the entire region trying to find Jesus. They were trying to find Jesus throughout the entire region. So they were walking and they were running miles and miles and miles on end, carrying their friend or loved one or family member, most likely on a pallet or a mat, which really would symbolize that most of these people were poor, common people. Now think about that. They're, they're trying to find a Jesus. They're carrying their loved one on a mat, trying to get them to Jesus. And they were trying to take him, take them where he was. But the passage indicates that sometimes Jesus would move. And so they heard that Jesus was in a certain town. They take their loved one to a certain town to hopefully be healed and touched by Jesus. But no, Jesus left. And so now they're chasing Jesus to the next town, into the next town, into the next town. Into the, I mean, they were nonstop trying to take their family member or friend or whoever it was to Jesus. What a persistence, isn't it? And they were persistent. They, they didn't take no for an answer. I mean, just think about that. Carrying your loved one on a mat carrying your friend on a mat miles and miles and miles. I mean, not only is it spiritually heavy, but it's also physically heavy. I mean, just put yourself in that situation. They don't have a, they don't have a pickup or an ambulance they could put somebody in. They are literally carrying this person for miles and miles on end so they could be touched by Christ. What a perseverance what a sense of weight, what a sense of faith that they have. And look at what Mark says here in verse 56, again, going back to Jesus' pace. It says, and whenever he came in what villages, plural, villages, cities, plural, or the countryside, again, Jesus is going back. And the people are just chasing him down, chasing him down. Not only that, look what Mark says here in verse 56, it says that they implored him. When they finally caught up to Jesus, they implored him. That word in the original language means to make a strong request. They begged Jesus. They begged him to heal their loved one. And these people had strong faith. I mean, just think about, think about the faith they had. It was strong. It was faith in Christ. And here's the thing, if you, if you remember from Mark chapter 2, you remember that story of, of these friends who try to get their friend to Jesus. And again, he's on a pallet, right? He's on a pallet. And so Jesus is in a house and, and it's super crowded and they couldn't get in because of the crowd. And what do they do? They, they take their friend on the roof, they make a hole, they drop him right in front of Jesus and Jesus heals him. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, and when Jesus what saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus saw their faith. Faith is something you see. Faith is something you do. 
faith isn't simply something that we have in our heart or in our mind. Faith is also an action. And we saw the people's faith by the way that they were persistent in getting their loved ones to Jesus. And so again, let me ask you this question. Does your persistence match the people's persistence in this story? Can you just heart check real quick, right? Like, trust me, I've taught this message to myself all week. I've checked my heart. Now it's time to check yours. Is there a persistence in your heart? What type of persistence? You see, because we're very persistent, right, with the things that we want. Ain't that true? Come on. Like, we're persistent for the things we want, right? Like, if I, when I want that new fishing rod, like, I'm going to get that new fishing rod. Like, I don't care what it takes. I'm just kidding, babe. I'll ask you first. I'll ask you first. But we're persistent for the things that we want. We'll do whatever it takes. But are we persistent for the things that God wants? Are we persistent for those who don't know him? Are we persistent for those who are broken? Are we persistent to reach those who need Christ, who are dead to sin? Are we persistent for the things that God wants? So there's just three quick things that I think that we could learn from these people here in this story. Very quick, the first one is don't give up. Don't give up. I think we give up way too easy. When we share our faith or invite someone to church or to just tell someone about Jesus and they don't respond, we give up right away, don't we? It's just, and here's, what, here's the thing. We always use God's will as a crutch. It's just God's will. It's just, it's just God's will. And if they don't want to come to church, if, if they don't want to give their life to Jesus, it's just God's will. I tried once. It's, and we use God's will as a crutch. What if it was God's will for you to ask a second time? third time, a fourth time. Did you know that it takes seven times to invite someone to church for them to come on average? About seven. That's what studies show. About seven, but we always stop it at two or three. Isn't it interesting? Don't give up. Don't give up. There was a, an awesome story here at our church. where We prayed for someone we loved here at our church. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and her husband prayed and her husband prayed and he didn't give up. And we didn't give up. And guess what? Last Sunday, she got baptized out there because we did not give up on her. Her husband didn't give up on her. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. Don't give up. Don't give up. Number two, embrace the weight embrace the weight. And I'm not talking about the quarantine 15. I'm not talking about that weight from the quarantine that you're still carrying around. At least I am, at least I am. Embrace the weight of people's souls. Embrace the weight. As these people were carrying their friends on those pallets, on those mats, on those makeshift beds, they felt the physical weight of obviously carrying them. But man, they also felt the weight of their salvation, of their soul. Embrace the weight. Embrace the weight that there is people in your life that don't know Christ yet. 
and are on that broad road that leads to destruction. I pray that there is a heaviness upon your soul, that there is a heaviness upon your life, that there is a weight that you feel for them, a deep sense of compassion, a deep sense of responsibility, a deep sense of urgency to spread the gospel and to lead them to Christ. Embrace the weight. Number three, would you talk to Jesus about people before you talk to people about Jesus? Will you talk to Jesus about people before you talk to people about Jesus? In the passage, what do they do? They went, to, they went to Jesus and said, hey, I have a friend. Could you heal them? I mean, they couldn't move. They're on the bed. They can't do anything. But their friends went to Jesus and begged him. They talked to Jesus. Hey, can you heal my friend? And so they talked to Jesus before they, 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 they told their friend about Jesus. They talked to Jesus first. Would you spend time in prayer on your knees on your face, asking God to open up their hearts, asking God to raise them to life, asking God for their salvation, asking God for wisdom on how to approach them, asking God for boldness, for the right answers, for the right words, for the right tone. Would you pray and talk to Jesus before you talk to people about Jesus. May our pace match Jesus' pace, and may our persistence match the people's persistence, so that, last point, others can experience Jesus' power. When we're persistent, when we have that sense of urgency and a pace about our lives, look at verse 56 says, and as many touched it, meaning Jesus' clothes were made well. A hundred percent of the people who touched Jesus that day were healed, were made well. They experienced the power of Jesus, power that heals, power that saves, power that transforms, power like no other, power that resurrects, power that forgives sins, power that gives new hope and a new purpose that takes an old per a person and makes them a new creation, that kind of power. And know, church, that most of these people couldn't get to Jesus. They couldn't get to experience the power of Jesus on their own. Someone had to take them to him. Someone had to physically take them to Jesus so they can experience the power of Christ. Jesus, if he wanted to, God, if he wanted to, he can save people like that. But isn't it interesting that he uses us, he uses people to reach people. We are the means by which Jesus will reach someone. You are the means by which Jesus will reach your family member your mom, your grandmother, your dad, your brother, your sister, your coworker, your cousin, an uncle, whoever it may be, your best friend. You are the means 
by which God will use, you will be used by God to, to, to in, a, in a way to draw them to himself so they can experience the power of Christ in the same way that you did. And so church, here at Restoration, you've probably seen it over and over and over. You've seen our vision. You've seen our vision on the announcements every single week. You've seen it on banners. You've seen it on the worship guide. Our vision here at Restoration Church is to help people know God, find community, discover purpose, and make a difference. And you see, here's the thing. I don't want our vision here at Restoration Church to simply just be words on a paper. We want people to know God. Oh, that sounds cool. I want it to be real. I want people to know God. Man, because when you know God, you have life. You have purpose. You have a hope. When you know God, everything changes. And so it's my desire that our vision is not simply something that we print out every week and we hand out to people. My vision is that we become a church that is led by the power of the Holy Spirit to go out into our families, our world, our communities, and reach people for Christ. Because you've experienced the grace and the power of Christ. If you're a believer, you've experienced it. You see, We can't take anything to heaven. Nothing. Can't take your car. Can't take your house. Can't take your clothes. Can't take anything. Can't take your cash. There's only one thing you can take to heaven. You know what that is? People. People. That's it. That's it. One day, if you're a believer, and you stand before God, and you look back, and you're like, I'm responsible for bringing them with me. When you look back, are there going to be people behind you? I hope so. I hope so. Because people matter. People matter here at Restoration. And I hope that people matter to you. Our vision is to help people know God, their Lord and Savior. Because let me remind you, church, that the church is not a country club for believers, but a hospital for the sick. There's a sense of urgency upon your heart to reach people, to be bold, to do whatever it takes, and to give up anything that you have to to save even one life. Let's pray. God, we need you today. We need you in our lives. We need you in our homes. We need you in every area. 
We believe, Jesus, that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And no one, and I mean no one gets to the Father except through you. You are the way. So, Jesus, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in every single believer, may you use us to show the way, to show people the way who are lost, who are in darkness, who are looking for other ways, trying to find peace, trying to find hope. And when that doesn't work, they try to find another way, another way. I pray that you would use us to show people the way, the one and only way by the way we live, by the proclamation of the gospel, by the way we speak to one another and about one another. And you give us great boldness to lead the way. May you create in our hearts a sense of urgency for those who don't know you. And God, I pray right here, right now, any believer, may you, in their heart, in their soul, place the weight of those who don't know you upon their life. May we embrace that weight that there are people who we care about and who we love and who we see on a regular basis that will spend eternity apart from you. God, we need you. And we need you to work in their life. We need you to speak life into them. We need you to draw them to yourself and use us. Whatever we have to give up, whatever we have to do, and whatever we have to sacrifice, Lord, we will. Yes. Our answer is always yes. God, I pray that Restoration Church and the people of Restoration Church would be a people that will boldly and unashamedly preach and proclaim the message of the gospel gospel that gives life, the gospel that gives hope, the gospel that saves. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. If you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this with your family and your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening.